Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. And I'm going to end this series that I started a few weeks ago here. And um, I thought that was a powerful, powerful song. Go oh, ye, man, I love it. That's the kind of song you can hear in any sort of atmosphere in any sort of time. This reminds you of the call of God, right? Reminds you what we're called to do, what you're called to do, what I'm called to do. And um, I believe it's so. I believe it's so that some of you, real soon, you're going to be going places that you've never gone. You're going to be seeing things that you've never seen. You're going to be doing things that you've never done and saying things you've never said, all because God's call upon your life. I believe that to be true by faith. Somebody say by faith. But here this morning, I want to end this series that we started called Anger Management. I like Brother Evan. He came up here earlier and he talked about the fire, right? If fire used correctly, hey, it does so much wonderful things within your life. There's so many benefits to fire when you use it properly. But then there's so much destruction that happens when fire is out of control. It's the same with anger. The Bible says to be angry, but don't sin. So in other words, harness the passion that God has given you. Don't let it get out of control. Don't let it spread like a wildfire. And if you're here this morning for the very first time and you're, you haven't heard the other series, you can go back and you can listen to the rest of them. Uh, on our podcast, but here today, even if you are here today, I believe that this message is going to help you. We're going to conclude the whole series, and I believe it's going to be a huge benefit for your life, and it's going to be awesome. And John, you're going to love this. This is just for you, John. He knows what I'm talking about. You guys may think, oh, this whole time it was about John. No. When you play baseball, things happen. Things happen. Amen. Don't look at John. Some of you guys were fighting in the fight in that ring yesterday, and you wanted to kill the other person. But no, you got to learn. You got to learn how to take a punch. You got to learn how to take anger against you. We're going to talk about that. That's what today's all about. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. If you have it, say, mm-hmm. It says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook a punch in the face. Father, be with us here this morning. We want to give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Have your way. Remove me, place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. Let he that has an ear, let him hear. And let faith arise and let our enemies be scattered. Father, we give it all right back to you. In Jesus' name. And all the saints said, before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them anger management part four. It's the last one. Before... I get started before we continue. I just want to ask many of you here this morning. This has been a teaching. It's not been so much a preaching. It's been more of a teaching, getting into where the culture is trying to take us and trying to divert that and detour it into a place where you can understand what God has given you. And I say that because our culture is going around like crazy right now. Well, we're going to protest. And so they turn protests into riots, riots into destruction, all because I'm offended. You have offended me, therefore I get to burn your house down. I get to burn your building down because somebody else offended me, so I get to hurt you. And so when you don't take the anger and the passion that God has given you, it's putting you in the wrong place, 
you need to really learn what, you, or should, should I say, you need to unlearn what you've already learned. Some of you learned a certain way. Well, this is how I grew up. This is the way my dad taught me. This is the way my uncle taught me. This is just the way that it was. And so it was passed down to me. That's just what I'm going to give to you. And if you're not smart, if you're not catching uh, uh, the, the, the curse or the destruction pathway in your lineage, in your DNA, it's going to continue on. And so you have to unlearn what you've already learned so you can relearn something new. So I want to ask you, in this teaching, in these past three times, let me just ask real quick, how many of you guys have been getting something, just one thing, in these past few weeks? Okay, good. I believe if you didn't raise your hand, by the end of this day, you're going to get something. You are going to get something here this morning. If you haven't been here, the past few weeks we talked about how the average person has, or the average person in America has the IQ of 100. And when you get angry, you lose 25% of your IQ. So if you lose 25% of your IQ, you are at 75 percentage points. You're at 75. Mental retardation is 70. So in other words, they're saying when you get angry, you're that much closer to being mentally retarded. Think about it. Think about it this way. Have you ever seen anybody or even you yourself ever made a great decision when you're angry? It's very difficult to do that. If you've done that, you're probably one out of a million. It doesn't happen a whole lot. Even I'll admit myself, and I'll disclose to you, sometimes when I've been angry, I haven't made the greatest decisions. Matter of fact, I've learned that sometimes if you make a decision while you're angry, that's the greatest decision you'll ever regret. It's the greatest decision you'll ever regret. Man, I should have never did that, but I did it out of anger. So you got to control this thing and not let anger control you. Why is it important? It's, it's important for a few reasons. One, because of the spirit. One, because of, uh, two, because of your soul. And three, because of your body. So in other words, if you get angry and it manifests into your body, it goes to also show it will go into your soul. It will go into your soul. You don't make great decisions that manifest because of how you think. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. Whatever you dwell upon, whatever you feed your soul, you're gonna, going to become that. How do I know? A few years ago, I talked about uh, uh, the power of music. When I used to go to sleep, I used to go to sleep listening to certain kinds of music. I don't know about you, but when I was in high school, every day while I was in high school, I listened to music to go to sleep. I loved it. Now, what I found out later on is that I started becoming the music that I was listening to. So if I went to sleep to Tupac, guess what? In the morning, I was like, Thug Life, Thug Life, what up? Never was a thug in my life, but I just wanted to be. If I went to sleep to Jodeci, I would wake up in the morning and be like, oh, girl, you don't even know yet, girl. See, because a lot of people think, it's just music. No, you're actually feeding your soul. Now, I'm not talking about music, but what I am talking about is that what you should understand is that what you engage with will eventually get into your soul, especially if you continue with it over and over and over and over again. So if you have a habitual anger problem, there is something in there that needs to be cracked. There's something that needs to be broken, something that needs to be disengaged from. And that's what this has been all about. Now, here this morning... I want to talk about what happens if you get two people that are angry in the same boat. Or should I say in the same canoe? Let's make it even closer. 
a boat, you think you can go to that side and I'll go to this side. But if you're in the same canoe, as they say, don't rock the boat. But you know what rocks the boat? Anger. Anger can rock that boat. And so here this morning, I want to talk about what is your part in these situations. We've been talking about, do you have anger? Now let's recognize if other people have anger, what do you do? How do you react? How do you speak? How do you talk back? What is your reaction? And so this message here this morning, I believe this is for us as Christians. Listen to me. As Christians, people always say, well, that's not very Christ-like. Well, what is Christ-like? What is Christ-like? Because that's something that we always look at and we always talk about. As Christians, how are we to handle situations when somebody offends you? When somebody gets at you? When somebody gets under your skin has that ever happened to you before were you somebody were you know i mean just without a shadow of a doubt i'm not talking about somebody says something and you're like oh that gets on my nerves i'm talking about where somebody comes at you and they're getting at on your nerves on purpose they're even telling you i don't like you and what are you gonna do about it One second, I'm just Dr. Banner, but another second, Hulk smash. Have mercy on me. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11 says, If a, pers a person's wisdom yields patience, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. You know what I have found is that overlooking an offense is a lost art. It's a lost art. Because everybody gets offended. You've offended me. It's almost like, my God, that, that we, we walk around in a society that we're just waiting for to, to be offended. Because I know what I'm going to do to you once you offend me. But as far as are you ready for somebody to offend you and overlook it? Overlook an offense. We live in a society where we feel we have the right or we deserve the right to be right. Deserve to be right. No, 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 I'm right. And so out of that rightness, not righteousness, out of rightness, anger comes out of nowhere. So how do you deal with that? Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32 says, Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. That's even a, a great scripture right there that's talking about, man, we like to go to war. The Bible says, man, a person who can actually control this thing control this anger better is somebody who can control that thing romans chapter 12 verse 18 is really the brunt of this message it says if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone live at peace with everyone i like that scripture in other words it's saying look if you can control it not them if you can control it be at peace be at peace i wish we could talk to Kim Jong-un right now. Hey, listen, brother, you need to read the book of Proverbs. Donald Trump, here, you read it too, Mr. Trump. Come on, read this thing. Can, can we all just read the scriptures? It'll really help, right? Because if you can, live at peace with everyone. Matter of fact, the Bible even says that even in all your wisdom, you know what's better than that? Peace. That's why the Bible says it is peace that surpasses all your wisdom, all your rightness. 
all your experience. Everything you've ever had in your life. Look, look at my trophies. Look at my awards. Look at everything I've ever got. Well, that's good. I'm glad you got great experience. But I just would love to live at peace. Can we do that? Can we be at peace with one another? That's a better, I believe, credibility to be able to have. So here this morning, how do we deal with them? How do we deal with people who come at us in an angry way and they're just trying to take away and steal your joy? Right? That's what I want to talk about here this morning. How do you deal with those who steal your joy? Now, first, the first part of it is that you must be able to identify. Somebody say identify. In other words, who are they? Now, if you were here last week, I shared a story in my life, right, that just happened to me. And it applies to this right here. You have to be able to identify who these people are. Because if you can identify them, you can assess them. And if you assess them, you can make a better judgment call on what you're about to say, what you're about to do, where you want to go with this. If you can identify, identify who they are. When you identify who they are, all right, I think we can now live at peace because I know who I'm talking to, where we're going with this, and we can really see this, okay? Somebody say, who are they? So the first person we're, I want to look at, or personality, let's, maybe that's a better word, first personality, because many people have many personalities. The first personality is the pressure cooker, the pressure cooker. This person builds up anger in a moment's notice. They could, it just built out of nowhere. Have you ever been in line at Target and all of a sudden you just see somebody get hot and heated just because they had to wait in line just for an extra 30 seconds? Come on! They get to the cash register. Yeah, fine. Finally. And you're like, what did the cash register ever do to them? So in other words, it wasn't the cash register. It was them. They're, they're just angry about something. They're just, pressure's been building up. And, and, and all of a sudden, because of whatever happened uh, in their past 30 minutes, in their past 30 days, in their past 30 years, has been building up. And that's that pressure cooker. It's just there. It's just there. But it comes out at the moment. It comes out at that time. So how do you deal with this kind of person? Number one is that you have to realize it's not you. It's not you. The pressure has been coming from somewhere or someone else. It's not you. So number one, realize it's not you. And number two, when it happens, don't take that anger onto yourself. Don't let that spirit, because remember, anger is a spirit. Don't let that spirit jump on you. Because it's real easy where they can come at you. Oh, brother, oh, don't brother me. I ain't your brother. Oh, what do you talk? And all of a sudden, it's just... The same pressure that's on them all of a sudden comes on you. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24, it says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. So when someone else is getting just that pressure cooker, and they're putting their pressure, and they're trying to put that pressure on you, realize this. Their pressure is not your pressure. It's not yours. Don't carry it. Listen, you're not a garbage truck, so don't let them trash on you. Don't worry about that. It's not you. You know what you actually should do with a pressure cooker? You should be gentle. 
That's actually how you deal with it. Now you say, well, Pastor, what do you mean be gentle? Proverbs chapter 25, verse 15. says, patience can persuade a prince. And a soft, some of your translations say gentle, a gentle speech or a gentle tongue can break bones. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me, right? That's the old saying. Well, guess what? Names really do hurt. So if you really want to break somebody down, a gentle tongue. Being soft-spirited. Understanding that, hey, their pressure is not my pressure. I don't have to put any more pressure and build this situation and make it even worse. A gentle tongue. Just be gentle. What? Uh, it's almost like even as Christians, we have felt, I have the right. I deserve the right to lash back. He hurt me, so I get to hurt him. You know, the funny thing is, is I don't read that anywhere in the scriptures at all. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about, makes it very clear, turn the other cheek, not an eye for an eye. You've heard an eye for an eye. I say, no, 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 don't do that. You must be able to overlook an offense. You know, it's funny because in counseling sessions, you will find the root cause of something was something so simple, something so small, very minute, but it's just been built up over time, built up over time, built up over time. I believe that many of you, by the end of today, you are going to relieve of that pressure that was ever upon your family. Family is always the biggest pressure cooker. And you are going to find a release in your family like never before. And you're going to be able to forgive your mom, forgive your dad, forgive your aunt, forgive your uncle, forgive your brother, forgive your sister. And watch, what ha watch the freedom that happens in your family when you release that pressure. A gentle word turns that around. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise if you believe that here this morning. The second kind of personality is the volcano personality. The volcano personality. These people blow up fast, and then the energy just subsides. <laughs> you ever encountered those kind of people? It just... <laughs> I mean, ashes everywhere. I mean, I'm talking, you walk into a room, and you can tell the atmosphere already. You don't know who the volcano is, but you just walk in, hey, guys, hey, hey, oh, whoa, I should have brought my hazmat suit because something toxic is going on right now. You know what I'm talking about? Why? Because somebody in that room just whew, let it all out. Where did this go? You know what I found in having to deal with volcano people? Give them 10 minutes. They'll calm down. Just give them a few minutes. Be a patient person. In other words, don't be a volcano right back. Oh, you want to say that? Well, I'm going to say it right back. And then you got two volcanoes going off. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy over here. So how do you handle a, a volcano person? Be patient. Tell your neighbor, be patient. Sometimes I have learned with the most abrupt people and the abrupt ones that just go crazy, they just need to speak their mind. I have to speak my mind. Guess what? Let them speak their mind, 
And then they realize their mind wasn't all that great in the first place. Go for it. Let it happen. I shared my story with you guys a couple weeks ago, right? Or last week about what happened to me. Hey, for a lot of moments, I just let the guy talk. Just go for it. Say whatever you want. He cussed me out. He said this. He said that. Unknowingly, unconsciously, he spit on me. Hey, it's okay. That's fine. It happens. Just go ahead and burst. But better a patient man than a man who takes a city. Better a person who's under self-control than somebody who says, well, I'm a warrior, and I fight. You can fight all you want, but if you can't control yourself, it's up to no benefit to anybody. So with a volcano person, give me a few moments and be patient. Somebody say, be patient. The third personality is the judgy personality. In other words, this person always has a bias, and most of the time, a bias towards themselves. This person always has the high, my way or the highway mentality. No, 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 no. The, the, they're, they're not the righteous brothers. They're the rightness brothers. No, 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 no. This is it, right? One thing I've learned in being an athlete you are going to encounter other athletes. And other athletes have a lot of opinions. No, 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 this, this is it, this is it. Yesterday we had an instance with Victory Outreach San Jose. They're probably watching right now. I love you. And so we had a little instance, and so... We, we came together, and we, we all talked about these rules, and we're like, yeah, we, everybody agree, everybody agree, everybody agree. Awesome. The game started going, and as the game was going, um, all of a sudden, one of the rules came up. And they go, hey, hey, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. No, 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 this is, this is what we said. We got to keep going. And we said, no, the rules were that we said at this point, at 10 runs, we stop and we change. No, that's not what we agreed. That's not what we agreed. I said, wait, wait, hold, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's calm our heads right now. Let's talk about this. And so this one gentleman, he was just, no, 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 these were the rules. I didn't agree to that. No, this is what we said. This is what was done. We're like, hey, hey hold on, hold on. Let's talk about this. And we said, look, we all agreed to this. Goes, that's not what I agreed to. That's not what I agreed to. I said, okay, listen, what does the umpire say? Let's go with that. What the umpire says? The umpire went with the rules. He said, this is the rules. What we all said, we're going with it. He walked away. Oh, man. Oh, no, that's not right. And he was, you know, talking, yelling. No, that's not right. No, that's not right. We walked away. We kept going. Let him subside. Let it go down. As the, about five minutes later, I walked out on the field. I seen him. I said, hey, the game was still going. This is in the middle of the game. I go, hey, I just want you to know, I understand what you're saying, but that's not what we all agreed to. And he goes, you know what? You're right. You're right. Yeah, that's cool. You're, you're right. I don't like it, but you're right. I said, okay. Look, I'm not trying to be right. I'm saying, can we just agree all together? He goes, no, we agree. So we, we went there. He shook his hand. He shook his hand. I said, okay, praise the Lord. We're done. Let's move on. Let's move on. As they say, play ball. Play ball. But with a judgy person, a lot of times, what they want to do is they want to take their ball, go home. I'm not playing anymore. I don't like this. This is not what we said. This is not what was going on. This is not what we're going to do. Hey, 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 just 
chill. Just chill out. How to handle a person like this is realize, number one, you cannot change them. You can't change them. You can't change a judgy person. What, I, what I've learned is that if you try your best to change one person, even within an hour's counseling session, you got to realize that you're trying to talk to somebody for one hour and try to change them in an hour what has been built up for over five years, ten years. They've been doing that for a long time. So what you have to be able to do as a man, as a woman of God, is to be able to say, okay, God, they're seeing their rightness. I need your righteousness to come. I need your peace. I need your love. And if I need to walk away, if I have to go, then that's what's going to happen. And the funny thing was is that for us, in our instance, it only took five minutes. But the scary part is not five minutes. It's when people take five years. A lot of stuff can happen in five years, ten years. That's why even right here, right now, even at the end of this message, I'll say it at the end and I'll say it right now. Learn how to forgive someone. Learn how to forgive. It will help you so much in your abundant life living. Matter of fact, another way to be able to do it is like I shared before, and I think you can actually do it to all these different types of personalities, is be gentle. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I'm going to say that one more time. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In other words, you will be surprised what gentleness can do. You'll be surprised what gentleness can do. Being able just to say, hey, you know what? You want to get crazy? You want to get angry? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Gentleness. The fourth personality, we're almost done here, is what I call the pouted out personality. The pouted out personality. In other words, this type of personality, they'll never tell you they're angry, but they'll just wear their anger on their sleeve. They don't tell it to you. Hey, how you doing? Are, are you angry? No. Fine. Play ball. I'm not going to play. But you guys can play ball. And it's just out there. And it just, you know, you know what I'm talking about when you get into this room and it's just like, man, it's just, it makes the atmosphere awkward and kind of weird. And you're like, okay, with, are you angry? Are you not? I really can't tell what is going on. I think it's there, but I don't know. And what did I do? What did I not do? What did he do? What did he not do? What did we say? Am I wearing the wrong color? You don't like my perfume? Is this the wrong dress? Uh, you don't like my hairs and my lipstick? Did I take your parking spot? What's going on? You know, like. And these people really make the atmospheres really difficult because they hold an offense, but you don't know what offense. They're holding an offense, you just don't know what offense they're holding. And so with these type of personalities, what you're going to have to be able to do as a man of God is you are going to have to be the initiator of change. You have to be the initiator of change. But this is the key. 
being able to do it and making them feel comfortable in the spirit, watch this word, in the spirit of humility. In the spirit of humility. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23. These are good scriptures. I hope you guys are writing these down or filming them or doing something because this is really good. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23 says, Pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. While humility brings honor. Another scripture, I love this one, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says, Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. So in other words, while you're tr- busy trying to figure out the offense, like, man, what did, what did I do? What, what, what did I do? What's going on here? Rather than trying to figure out and trying to be right and say, no, 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 this is why you did that. No, 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 this is why you did it. No, no, this is why you, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, two volcanoes come out of nowhere. What's going on? Everybody's getting ashes all over the place. What is this? And I got lava. Ooh, it's too hot right now. The floor is lava. That person's lava. Don't step on them. Oh, my God, everything's crazy. Look, 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 look. It's okay. Be tenderhearted and have a humble attitude. Okay, what, what, what can I do here to figure this out? What, what, what do we got to do? Maybe I, did, maybe I did something wrong. Man, what happened here? What, what took place in your heart, in your life, in your perspective that we can change that? See, having a humble attitude changes everything that is paved after that. Having a humble road, taking the humble road, as they say, paves a way for something greater than you've ever experienced before in your life. One of the greatest humble acts of all time was Jesus hanging on the cross, and yet while he was on that cross, he still said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The greatest humble act of all time in all of history had humbleness before he breathed his last breath. The humble road is a road less traveled. This is where you and I should say, you know what? That's the place where I want to be able to go. The fifth personality and the last one, and then we're going to finish here, is the instigator personality. The instigator personality. In other words, these people are not happy unless they're mad. They just got to be mad. I get, they got to be mad about everything. You ever met those kind of people? They're just like, hey, how you doing? I don't know. How should I be doing? What did you do to make me mad? I didn't do nothing. Yes, you did. Well, if you didn't, I'm just going to wait five seconds, and you're going to make me mad. You, you ever met those kind of people? Like nothing you can ever do. Hey, look at the sky. It's blue. No, it's not. It's gray. Hey, why don't we go this way? Why don't we go that way? Okay. Right? These are the kind of people that no matter what you do, no matter what anybody does, they just have to instigate and get in there, and they want to have their way. They're just like, man, these are the ones that I was talking about earlier. They're just going to get under your skin. They're just going to intentionally Not accidentally. There's a big difference between accident and purpose. But they're going to, on purpose, on purpose, just get under your skin to where you're like, Jesus, I'm calling on your name right now. And unless you come down 
in the physical and manifest yourself right in front of me, right here, right now. Lord, I am going to lay hands in a closed fist manner. And Lord, by the time I'm done with him, he is going to see you face to face. The instigator. Where they just instigate madness over and over and over again. You know how I've learned how to handle these type of personalities? Is what you have to do is you have to allow boundaries to be set up. Allow boundaries to be set up. Don't let them cross the lines. That's then going to make you ensnared to their spirit. So that you have to be able to say, hey, you know what? This is not going to happen. This is not going to go. We're not going to go any further than this. If this goes any further, then, we're, you know, we're, we're just, we're going to live in peace right now. Because after this line, there's no peace. There is no peace after this. The Bible says beautifully in Ecclesiastes, it talks about the seasons. Matter of fact, on your own time, study that, read that for yourself. I believe it starts in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And it talks about how there's a time for everything. There is a time for everything. There's a time for war. People say, we shouldn't have war. There's actually a time for war, but then there's a time for peace. There is a time to laugh and a time to cry. There's a time to reap and a time to harvest. you got to know these times and understand these times and understand these boundaries. And you have to be able to set these boundaries. And when you set these boundaries, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, after you've set these boundaries, after you've done all that you can, just stand. Stand firm. And after everything is done, in other words, really in Ephesians chapter 6, it's saying after you put everything on, you put on the full armor of God, after you've done everything that you can, stand firm. Stand firm in knowing that God is God, that he is your Lord, he is your master, he is your vindicator, he is the one that's going to bring the peace that you need. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that you should leave room for God's wrath. Leave room for God's wrath. So in other words, if you try to make up for that room, it could go left or it could go right. You don't know where it's going to go. In other words, you're trying to take it into your hands. Well, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it my way. And the Bible says, look, if you were to just stop, get yourself under control, let God be the one to deal with them. Let God be the one to put them in their place. Not that, well, I'm going to put them in his place. Well, I'm going to put her in his place. I'm going to put her in the place where she needs to know who she's talking to. Well, she should know who she's talking to if you are a woman of God. She should know right off the bat. She needs to know, well, can't she already tell by your character? Because if she can't tell by your character, well, then she's just waiting for another volcano to erupt. Because she's just a natural volcano. She's a natural instigator. This person, they're just a natural powdered out kind of person. They're just waiting for you to powder right back out. And who can have the better cold shoulder? They're just trying to check your reaction. That's why the Bible says, and I love this scripture. I'm going to read it one more time. Proverbs 19, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. 
Man, if we could just learn how to let things go. Man, I, I mean, just learn how to let things go. You know what's funny? I, I was looking up one time how much psychologists and counselors get paid. They get paid a grip. I was like, oh, my gosh. You know what I found with counselors? A lot of times with, when it comes to counseling, a lot of times, you know what they do? All counselors do is just sit there and listen. They just listen to a bunch of venting. That's it. They just listen to venting. All their, I, I, you know what I think counselors really are? There's referees. We need to come together and we just need to talk in a room because if we talk in the street, I'm going to knock this dude out. So let's talk right now because I'm going to kill my husband right now. I'm gonna, this wife, this woman, it's funny, but it's true because he don't know how to deal with the anger. Don't know, to, don't know how to let it out. And so these, these times of gathering together say, man, if we could just overlook an offense. You know what I found about an offense? Is that if you will do your best to find God's grace and God's mercy in every situation, then you will find the righteousness and not the rightness. God's grace and God's mercies open up doors and put you into places where you've never seen before. So when you walk through the door of grace and when you walk through the door of mercy, you are going to find things that you have never found. Because you know what I have found that's in front of the doors? Assumptions. Assumptions. You did it on purpose. This is the crazy thing. This is the funny thing, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up a door right now. Watch this, watch this, watch this. This used to happen. It doesn't happen anymore in church. But you know when we do greeting, right? We'll go around, we'll do greeting. Have a greeting. Hey, God bless you, brother. Hey, God bless you, sister. And right, and so, so over here, you know, we got the, the 880s kind of right here, and then over here we got the, the, the 101, and then every once in a while people travel down the 238, right, or the 237 over here, left-hand side, so right here. But there's always a lot of traffic jams in the 880, right? A lot of traffic jams. You know what I've learned in traffic jams is that people bump into each other. And so a lot of times, because everybody's so close to each other and everybody's here and everybody's there, you know, we're shaking everybody. Hey, God bless you. Hey, God bless you, brother. Hey, God bless you, sister. And all of a sudden. Oh, no, you just didn't. This is the crazy part. Nobody goes to find out, see if they did it on purpose. Nobody ever did. It's just, you know what really happens? Because it goes so quick, we just go, I'm going to remember that. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. God bless you. Amen. And so what sits in front of the door of grace and what sits in front of the door of mercy is assumptions. And it's a big roadblock. They did it on purpose. She said that about me on purpose. He did that to me on purpose. And so what happens is you really never are able to grasp and hold of God's forgiveness because you yourself have a hardened heart to forgive others. 
very difficult. See, that's why a lot of times when people come to church and we say, God forgives you. He loves you. A hardened heart says, no, he doesn't. You know why? Because you can't forgive someone else. So it's hard to accept the forgiveness of God. Oh, that was powerful right there. It's powerful. Right? I, I, think, I, I pray you just caught what just happened right there in the spirit. That you caught what just happened right there. Because I think if you can get that little bit of understanding towards forgiveness, it'll open up a whole new world to many of you. A whole new world. A gentle tongue turns away wrath. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. If you can, if you're in control, if you can, live at peace with one another. See, these are things that as Christians that we should be able to hold on to and say, God, you are my redeemer. You are my vindicator. You are my vengeance. Vengeance is yours, says the Lord. I believe it. I know it. And I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to talk in it. I'm going to live in it. See, this is the abundant living that the Lord has been wanting to give you since the day you walked into those doors. He's been wanting to give you grace. He's been wanting to give you mercy. And as he gives it to you, you got to act in it, move in it, and watch what God will do in the promises of your life. See, this right here, this this anger management that we've been talking about that we've been dealing with I believe this is very important I believe for those of you that say you know what God is going to send me out God is going to use me are you going to crack open cities you're going to break open cities but listen my friend before you break open cities break off that anger break off that offense because if you can't break that off it's going to be very difficult for you to break open, crack open, do anything of what the Lord has called you to do. It's going to be very hard. They offended me. I can't tell you how many pastors, how many ministers I have seen say, no, but they did this. They did. And I'm talking pastors. They did this to me on purpose. You know, my, my first thing, my first thinking that I have as it comes to the piano, my first thinking has always been, I don't know if it's right, I don't know if it's wrong, but I just know that, Whatever it's come my way. And a lot of my guys know this. They already know this. When they come to me and they ever said, hey, you know, pastor, so-and-so said this about you. You know what I think right away? I think right away I go, wow, okay, that's their fault. I don't think it's my fault at all. I have nothing to do with it. But then I think, okay, if I had something to do with it, how can I apologize? I think of that right away. Like right away, okay, what can I do to apologize? Because that's my boundary. I'm not going to let them dictate my boundary. I create a boundary. I'm going to this boundary. No, no, no. Okay, well, did I offend you? All right. Did I forget to shake your hand? Hey, let's shake your hand. I had somebody do that to me the other day. You didn't shake my hand. It's like, really? They go, yeah. You don't remember Run for Hope 10 years ago? You didn't shake my hand. Sounds humorous, huh? True story. Oh, I, and I was like, man, I apologize. I'm sorry. I, I didn't even know. But I already know people hold pastors to a, to a certain standard, to a certain, you know, uh, place and position where, no, pastors have to be like that. I'm going to tell you right now, pastors were not always perfect. Matter of fact, I was talking with Pastor Ezra. Thank God he's doing great now. But Ezra, he's uh, one of the ministers there at the Mother Church. He, got a, he had a stroke. So he had a stroke. Now, he's good now. He, he's great. But this happened a couple months ago. But in the stroke that he had in his heart, his, uh, no, his right eye has no peripheral vision now. He has no peripheral vision. So he has said already a bunch of times, 
he's had to learn how to say I'm sorry. I go, why? He goes, because people come up to me on my right side, and I can't see them. So in order for him to see anybody, he has to go like this. You know, he has to turn to his right. But there's been a lot of times where he hasn't, man, I can't see it. Can't see it. This is what I've learned. All of us have blind spots that we can't see. But if we spend our lives trying to explain our blind spots, you're never going to move forward. Just admit it. you got a blind spot. You don't have it. Look, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Our marriage is not all together. Our finances are not all together. Our Christian walk is not all together. We don't have it all together. Listen, I come to church because I need Christ. I need him every moment of the day. That when I wake up in the morning, I got to talk. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. So listen, it's okay to say those two powerful words. I'm sorry. Sorry. Or if you want to translate it to the hood. My bad. I pray that some of you that have the hood lingo, you're going to change it to the love lingo. You're going to be able to, I know, and believe me, I understand you guys are like, my bad. But at the same time, even how you say my bad is like, yeah, it's my bad, but it's really not my bad. But when you say I'm sorry, you have to admit that. You have to admit that. I'm sorry comes with a certain attitude. It comes with a penance. It comes with a repentance. I'm sorry. I messed up. My fault. Forgiveness. There's so many different ways to deal with it. The Bible, the brunt of the message is that you would learn forgiveness. You would learn the peace of God. You would learn the love of God. I'm concluding this whole series, concluding this whole thing, how I've been doing it every service with forgiveness. I think, uh, I think it was two services ago, we had a powerful altar going. You could really sense the power of God. People forgiving people, you could really sense it. I think it was two Sundays ago. I don't know if you were here, but if you weren't here, man, it was powerful. You could just see, just weeping and crying, just forgiveness is happening all over the place. To people who are not even here. People were outside this building. Forgiveness was happening. Forgiveness and freedom. There's a freedom in forgiveness. There's a freedom in forgiveness. I believe that many of you here this coming week, this coming month, you're going to forgive people. You know what I found is that you can forgive others, but you know what's even sometimes just as powerful, if not more, is when you forgive yourself. Listen, I, I know many of you, you've been angry at yourself. Man, why'd you do that? Why did this happen? Why'd you say that? Why'd you go there? I'm an idiot. I'm a dumb. And so you're depressing and pressing and pressing and pressing yourself. You're oppressing it. You open up the door for the enemy to oppress you. So that's why you feel all that pressure. And that pressure and it cooks and comes out. Why do I feel like this? You need freedom. You need freedom. You need freedom. My prayer here this morning is that we're going to have men and women that are free from the guilt, free from the shame, and free from this spirit that is trying to keep the, the, the men and women of Christ down. You deserve to be angry. No, you're angry. You just got to learn how to deal with that. Don't sin in that. Don't allow the enemy to open up that door. Say, I'm going to walk through that one. No, I'm going to walk through the door of grace and mercy. 
Watch what happens when you walk through the doors of grace and mercy. It is powerful. Forgiveness is on the other side of those doors. Bow your heads with me here this morning. Bow your heads. Every head bowed and every head closed. Father, we thank you.